0: thanks for listening to you had me at black I'm Martina Abrahams in 1992 the blood and crip gangs of Los Angeles declared a truce after over two decades of rivalry. this peace agreement became known as the truce of Nine Deuce when he was five years old, Damon and his family were victims of a shooting that became a catalyst for the truce here's what happened I want you to breathe all the <laughs> This is You Had Me at Black The podcast where black millennials Tell true life stories So this is 1992, this is After the riots Right around the time of the truce at 9 Deuce I'm living in the middle of Los Angeles At this time I had an understanding, you know There's certain things we just couldn't do Certain times that we just couldn't play outside And being 5 years old Even at that time, you knew what was going on We lived at a house and our next door neighbor had been shot. I remember being at my grandmother's house and no one to duck when you heard gunshots, you know, at five, even younger than that. So it was so prevalent at the time. I think that was the reason why I knew what had happened more so than the the typical five-year-old. We had spent the whole day with my grandparents and my mom was coming to pick us up, to take us home. My grandfather needed to go to the corner store and get some cigarettes, and so as my mom is leaving, She's like, you know, don't walk. I'll take you. Before I go home, I'll take you over there and drop you back. And so that's what she does. So me and my little sister, my sister's six months, we go to the corner store. So my grandfather, he he gets out of the car, and he goes inside to get the cigarettes. And my mom and I and my sister are sitting in the car waiting for him. We're sitting at a corner, on a corner store, right? So it's, it's two ways in, and a car pulls up. And my mom, she looks to the side, I see her. I'm five years old, so I'm not sitting in the car seat. I'm sitting right behind her. And she tells me to duck. And as soon as she does, I I do, being obedient. And then immediately, gunfire. We find out later it was an AK-47. 30 rounds hit the car. My mom is hysterical. After the gun settles and the gunpowder, you can smell it. I'm sitting in the back, I'm confused. I'm totally dazed as to what exactly really happened. My mom. She gets out of the car and she's frantic. She's screaming, she's jumping up and down. She had been shot twice. So she had been shot in her leg and in her foot, but her adrenaline was going so fast and she didn't even realize that she had got shot until later. So she gets out the car and she's looking at me. I'm, I was directly behind her and she's asking me if I'm okay. You know, and I'm, I'm confused, but I feel fine. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, mom, I'm good. And then my sister is to the right of me, and she's not crying. And my mom is hysterical, my mom is crying, it's all this chaos, my grandfather comes back to the car, but she's just sitting there still, just sucking her fingers, you know, know, like nothing happened. The rival gang, they came up to the car, trying to find out if everything was okay. They come up to my sister's side of the car, they open up the door just to check her, check her body, she's still just sitting there sucking her fingers. And then I just remember seeing his hand come out, and it was just all this blood on his hand. You know, as he pulls his hand out, my mom sees it, and she's hysterical. My grandfather is just like, you know, we gotta get to the hospital. We gotta get to the hospital as as soon as possible. The gang members ended up pulling their car around. They cut the car seat and take my sister out, put her in their car. And I remember it was like an old Crown Victoria, 1980s style, the old Crown Vic, and they put her in there. And then my mom, she's still just hysterical. She couldn't stop crying. She was just looking at me, still checking me, patting me down, just just trying to make sure I'm okay. I'm like, I'm okay, mom. I'm I'm good. You know, I'm okay. And so we get in their car. My grandfather, he just runs home, and we're in the car, and we're speeding. My mom knows that my father is a firefighter and she's trying to figure out what station he works at so we can get to his station. But she couldn't even remember. You know, she was having a hard time just remembering the address. They take us to the closest station. And so beating down, I think it was 54th Street, we caused at least three accidents. One of which I remember sitting in the back, looking out the window, we ran a red light, clipped a car, it flipped over, and we're sitting in the middle of the intersection, just long enough to kind of see what happened. And the two gang members that were sitting in the front of the car, they're kind of conflicted as to what to do, like, do we help them? Do we stop? And so we're sitting there, it seems like, for about 30, 45 seconds, just long enough to see a good Samaritan pull somebody out of the car and their face is just all bloodied up. And he's looking at us like, what the heck? You know, what what happened? And at that moment, it's like, we can't stop. And we just keep going. And so we finally get to the closest fire station and the two guys that, that helped us, they hop out, they go bang on the door of the, the fire station and they come out, take my sister out, they put her on a stretcher and I'm just sitting there, just confused, just looking at my sister as they're cutting her clothes off and a female firefighter, she comes and she just pulls me away. Like, I'm just standing there with my mom, she pulls me away. She takes me into, I guess, the lunchroom of the fire station. And I just remember wondering what was gonna happen to my sister. I know that we had been in a drive-by shooting. I know everything that really had taken place. However, I still was confused. I didn't really fully understand why. I think that was the main thing, just how we could just be sitting there doing something so innocent and everything changed in an instant. I didn't fully grasp the entire gravity of what had happened. And she turns on cartoons, we're watching Cartoon Network, she's trying to divert my attention away from what happened, asking me all these questions. So we're sitting there for a little bit, and all of a sudden I hear this really, really loud sound, and I go to the door to see what it was, and it was a helicopter landing on the middle of the street, in front of the station. It was just kind of amazing to see a helicopter that close. So I'm just sitting there amazed, like, wow, it was just kind of cool. She pulls me back. We continue just looking at the cartoons, just talking. And then a few minutes later, my mom is screaming, like, where's my son? Where is he at? And I run to her. And then shortly after that, the fire captain that was at the station pulls us to his car and takes us to the hospital. So obviously this car ride was a little different than the last one. <laughs> you know, we got the sirens going through the city. I remember sitting right next to my mom and she's holding me and she's praying. I just remember asking her, is my sister going to be okay? And I knew she really didn't know the answer to that. But she, she said yes. But then she started crying even harder than before. The crazy thing about it is this whole story, it seems like it all happened in like five minutes. So we get to the hospital and literally my entire family is there. This is South Central Los Angeles, so I have family from Riverside, from San Diego. I'm like, how did y'all make it here? You know what I'm saying? It just all happened so fast, and everybody's sitting in the lobby. My father's there, full uniform. Somebody called him from the station and told him what happened. I just remember everybody crying. It made me start crying. You know, you see all these people crying at a young age, you just, you follow suit. And My father is in shambles at that point, and they're talking about how they don't know if they're going to be able to save my sister. But then her situation starts to improve, and now they're talking they don't know if they're going to be able to save her leg. The doctors were giving conflicting reports the whole time, but my father, being a paramedic and a firefighter, he kind of had expertise and knew exactly what kind of care she needed. It takes about a week before we actually realize that she's gonna be okay and that she's gonna pull through. So there's a hospital in LA that no longer exists now, but it was notoriously known as being Killer King. So it's like, that's where people go and they don't come out. It was Martin Luther King Hospital. My father, he wants to take her to Children's Hospital. He just feels like she's gonna get the best care. And her story was kind of one of those things that really propelled the truce and nine for happening because at the time she was one of the youngest victims of gun violence. And I'm happy to say that my sister is still alive today. She still bears a scar that's on her leg, but she's still alive and, you know, she's thriving. She's in LA right now, doing very well. So this situation kept me so far away from gangs, just because of what happened to my sister, even to this day. But The reason why I wanted to share this story is it forever still impacts me. I was thinking about corn gains, I was thinking about just children caught in the crossfire of these important or tragic incidents. That moment when my mom told me to duck, I'll never forget it because when we went back to the car to see after everything had happened, the exact position where I was sitting at were two gun holes. I use it as a motivation point for myself Whenever there's something that I get scared about, I think about what happened. And if I wasn't obedient enough to listen, I wouldn't be here. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. Be sure to check out this episode's description for musical credits. And if you like what you just heard, head to youhadmeatblack.com slash b-side to subscribe to our newsletter and unlock access to exclusive videos, Behind the scenes interviews and specially curated music. That's you had me at blackcom B Side. Peace.